We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Good morning, church. Good morning to those online. It's, uh, it's been kind of special for each of us that have been preaching through our culture points because it's so lovely to talk about who we are and celebrate the high points of who we are as the people of God. And obviously in these points, we're not all there yet and we want to encourage everyone to keep moving forward and, uh, and do the work of the kingdom in these very important points. But we believe to the back teeth that each of these points are of great value in what makes life point life point. Do you agree with me? Last week, um, we heard a cracker of a message from AB as he, as he shared that story, particularly about Lawson and Oscar. Did you uh, kind of tear up about that? That was just beautiful, wasn't it? About how Lawson has fine, found relationship with Oscar and that Oscar's kind of included him. And, and we all realize and know what it is like to belong and to be cared for, to be valued. And we certainly want that to be a big part of who we are here at LifePoint. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me? Oh, there is someone out there. See, you're very dim out there because I've got lights in my eyes, so lovely to hear from you. Well, today we want to talk about another culture point which we believe is, is crucial in the life of the church. We give our best because he gave his best. And I need to say right at the outset, we're not talking about perfectionism. We need, I'll talk about that just a little bit later on. But it's a, it's a motivational thing. It's about a desire to serve the King of Kings and to give him our best. And uh, I wanna really unpack that this morning and uh, look at a time when Jesus gave his best. But as we head into this time, why don't we just look to the Lord for his strength enabling and speaking this morning because it's his message, not mine. Lord God, we just uh, commit this time as we gather around your word and we gather around the life of Jesus and that you inspire us, Lord, to be the people of God here at LifePoint at this coalface and that, Lord, we can be all that we can be, that we can do the kingdom of God well in our time that we can make a difference here on the Sunshine Coast. And Lord, we commit ourselves into your good care as we do this this morning and talk about this culture point in Jesus' name. Amen. I seem to have a little ring in my mic there somewhere. So. so we give our best because he gave his best. And I want to read a scripture where I believe Jesus was demonstrating the giving of his best. And uh, there's two accounts of it, Matthew 26 and also Luke 22. And most of it I'll read from Matthew, but I'll just put the little bit that Luke puts in there as Dr. Luke uh, does an observation. Let me read to you. It's called Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began uh, to sorrowful and sorry. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. 
Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watching me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it, not poss- if it's, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And three times Jesus went away and prayed that prayer. Luke adds this point in his ending of the account. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus experienced a physical condition called hematohydrosis. It's a rare condition where human beings around their sweat glands, the blood vessels burst and the blood comes out the sweat gland along with the sweat. It was researched and named by Leonardo da Vinci and he described this often happened with soldiers and people that were on death row to execution. It was a rare condition, but it was at times of great anguish and great earnest that this condition was felt. I want to unpack four things quickly this morning that we might learn from Jesus' experience about how we in turn might be motivated this morning to to give our very best. Now, obviously, Jesus is, is God in human flesh. He's fully human and he's fully God. But here we notice something of the anguish on the human side of Jesus' physical body being impacted beyond its capacity, and it caused a result. And certainly we see here something of the effort that Jesus was giving. When Jesus was on the cross, uh, he died relatively quick. Um, Execution was a very slow killer. Uh, People could hang on the cross alive for four days, uh, as has been documented. But Jesus died in a few hours. And uh, as we know, as a spear went into the side of Jesus, his heart had already ruptured and, the, and blood had separated already from the congealing process and, the, and liquid was flowing out. So to me, the physical anguish of hanging a cross was not the thing that killed Jesus. It was him paying for the debt of suffering and sin for you and I. Would you agree? It was like him dying a billion times on the cross in your place and mine. The debt of the cross was enormous and his physical body gave out very quickly as God darkened the sky and for those hours that he hung on the cross. Who knows what Jesus went through? We have no idea. But prior to this, Jesus knew something of what was coming. And in his physical nature was saying, I I don't, I just don't know whether I can do this. It's going to take everything of me to be able to make it to that point. And and God, if if somehow you can relieve me in some way from this suffering, please. But I do not want to interrupt your sovereignty. I do not want to stand in the way of your greater purpose and what you want to do in and through me. And I submit to that. Three times he asked. It's something about three times, isn't it? Paul asked three times that his thorn in the flesh be removed. 
And Jesus said to him, three times you ask and knows the answer every time. <laughs> and in the same way, Jesus had to face front and center what it was to commit to that time. Four points, first point. If we are going to give our best like Jesus gives our best, we have to learn one thing. We have to learn the art of yielding. Yielding. What does the word yield mean? We don't use it much today. To give up under pressure. To surrender is the word. To surrender. And I want to make it very clear that scripture that Jesus said, My Father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, the bleeding for the centurion or the, or the person on the way to death row was not because of the physical anguish of, uh, of the pain of the death that they were enduring or on the battlefield. It was the emotional and the anguish of the preparation towards that. The centurion would bleed blood or sweat blood the day before, the night before of going into a battle that he knew he was going to lose. The person on the way to death row would sweat blood prior to the execution. It was stealing themselves. It was yielding to the Father. Not my will, God. I yield. I give it to you. I'm struggling, but I give it to you. Now we live here in a beautiful middle class part of the world in the top 3% of the lifestyle of people on this earth. And I gotta say, we struggle with yielding. You see, you note how you struggle with yielding when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and gives you a little nudge about a thing you need to do. Yes or no? And so often we say no because of. We have not learned the art to yield to what God calls you and I to do. And it's very important that we do that. Yielding to the Holy Spirit, yielding to His will, yielding to His purposes. I think sometimes we lose the priority of things in, the, in our earthly life and we see our day-to-day -day battle of raising our families and providing and all the things that we do is so very important. And yet when we step back from an eternal perspective, we need to grasp something of the, of the minority of what we do from day to day compared to the vast nature of the eternal value of what God calls you to. You see, when God calls you to do something, that is of eternal value. Everything that you do, everything that you commit to here at LifePoint, every way that you serve in terms of the kingdom of God is of eternal value. Would you agree? You've noticed that little things, Tara noticed that a little word, a little kindness, a little example changed a child's life. Ian celebrates that his lifestyle, his way, his modeling has touched the life of his little daughter. These are eternal events 
And God is weaving and working and giving each of us the opportunity to participate in eternity in a powerful and wonderful way. And eternity is an awful long time compared to our momentary lives. I used to be an evangelist and I've traveled extensively and I've spoken many thousands of times and I've led many thousands of people to Jesus. And I remember the days of uh, leaving my home in Bundaberg and I would travel for some 11 months of the year, each year for eight years I did that. I lived out of a little tiny suitcase and it was not big enough to contain winter clothes and summer clothes. I had four pair of underwear. I had a few things of everything. And then when it got time to go to cold areas of Australia, I had to send that suitcase home and I had to get my parents to send another suitcase so I could warm up and fit everything in. And I would go to a shopping center and have a cup of coffee, but I couldn't buy anything because I couldn't put anything in my suitcase. It was wonderful actually in terms of hoarding. But there were times uh, as exciting as the ministry was and exciting it was to be used so well by God and to have people's lives touched. There were times that I felt the pain of what I did. I felt the loss of missing my family. I felt the loss of enjoying things that I love so much, tinkering with my hands and working in a shed, rebuilding things and fishing and all those sorts of things. I, I had to give up to serve God. And it was very difficult at times when the band was acting up and it was hard to lead everybody and I felt incredibly lonely. I, I had those moments like Ian and Tara had where they're like, what am I doing? Is this really for me? Can I really do this? And I remember that God drew me to a place that was very special to me. Special because of the event that took place there, not special because it was special in itself. I was going through one of these times and I was really feeling low and I had a day off and I'd driven out in the truck uh, around Orange. And one of the little uh, bitumen roads led past a little old church and it was over 100 years old and it was just one of those little old Anglican churches in the bush that probably was never used, but it was just sitting there. And out the back, they had a little graveside and uh, that little uh, cemetery and there were all these old headstones and some of them were over 100 years old and I, I got to know a couple. Sadly, they had died over 100 years ago. And there was a stump beside their graves. It was Bill and Mary. I know very little of the circumstances. I think uh, Bill died at 50 and Mary died at 57. And it was over 100 years ago. And I, and I sat on that stump and I would sit with these two couple and, I, and I, would, I would just sit there and I would ponder their lives and whether they went to heaven or whether they gave their life to Jesus or whether they didn't. And in that experience, I would reset, I would recommit to the value of the work that I was doing. Amidst the sacrifice and the difficulty that I felt, I would be resetting my mind to, for every child, for every person I lead to Jesus, it has eternal consequences for them. It's either heaven or hell, and I can make a difference by serving Jesus and being obedient to Him. And that must be my call for now. And it made all the difference to sit there for an hour or two and to reset and to rethink about what I'm doing here. What is God calling me to do? 
And for each of us, I think there's times when we need to reset the bar and say, hang about, I'm getting too caught up in this world and this life and these things. And I'm forgetting what God is calling me to do. I have given my life to him. What does that now look like? How do I resubmit my life to him and live with that priority that when he speaks to me, I will yield. When he encourages me, when he calls me, when he asks me, I will say yes. And that's a tough thing, a very tough thing for us here on the Sunshine Coast. Secondly, we need to declutter our lives. Simplicity is powerful. The more we have, the harder it is to surrender. Jesus said it is difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Not impossible, because he said, but all things are possible with God, he added. The difficulty is that we have too much and therefore on our watch we are too consumed. I've been watching a television show where a, a, a psychologist and a team come alongside someone who has cluttered their house. Has anyone seen these shows? And uh, this woman particularly, I think even thinks she was on the Sunshine Coast, husband and wife, and the daughter had actually put out a plea to these people, please come and help, our house is so cluttered. And his team turned up and they found a garage room full, no room for cars any longer, but packed from the floor to the ceiling and to the sides. And when they pulled everything out, they went to the local little, <coughs> little hall, town hall, and they filled the town hall with, with what was in her garage on tables. And she stood back and she looked at all that she had in her garage that was cluttered. It was enormous. And then they worked on the very difficult and arduous process of helping this woman to let go of all of this stuff, all of this stuff. And at one point she had a missy fit. She let fly at him. And it was lovely to hear his response. He said, love, sit down for a moment. I wanna give you a hard word. We are here at great expense to help you clean up your mess. And we need your cooperation. And then he shared what he said. I want you to know what you're struggling with is all this stuff, everything that you own and the more that you own is something that is somehow on your watch subconsciously or consciously. It's something that you have to care for. It's something that you have to protect. It's something that you have to keep and you think of it now and again. He said, as we get rid of these things, they are off your watch. It is liberating, it is freeing. And that process became evident as she cleaned up and she removed and she got rid of just what was junk or memorabilia. And at the end of the process, she said, how do you feel? She said, I feel fantastic. In fact, I feel liberated. Note the word liberated. It's all off my watch now. I have room in my psyche, I have room in my subconscious. Folks, we have too much stuff, too many things that take priority in our life, or we have priorities wrong. I spoke to a young fellow a few weeks ago who lamented to me that he cannot physically afford to tithe. And I said, yeah, I agree. When I look at your business plan and I look at the way you've ordered your finances, I agree with you. You've ordered your world and cluttered your financial world to the extent that you can't fit in tithing. So let me help you. Let me help you reorganize your life. We can cut a few priorities that you call priorities out. We can reorganize your finances and the way that you work them. I'm sure we can find room to prioritize tithing. 
You see, the kingdom of God demands of you and I that we prioritize him. We put him first and be careful of the stuff, the filling of our lives that clutters the work of the kingdom. Thirdly, be ever ready. Be ever ready. Now, when I say that, you all think of batteries, don't you? Running around the room with little muscly arms. I want to tell you that when you go to use a torch and it doesn't work, it's never convenient. Would you agree with me? Whenever you need a torch, it's always a critical moment. The power's gone out, the car's broken down, or you're out somewhere and you want that torch to work, you hit the button and what? Nothing. And do you have a spare battery? No. You know, a B, an A, a triple A, a double A, like having the right battery at the right time. Jesus tells a story about some girls that their batteries ran out. He talked about a bride coming to a wedding and these virgins were all ready for uh, the bridegroom to come. And, uh, and he said, be ready, have enough oil in your lamps. And so half the girls went out and bought, you know, a couple of Jerry Grands of oil because they didn't know how long it was gonna be, but they wanted to be ready. They wanted to be ever ready for the bridegroom coming. Some of them, half of them said, ah, look, she's not, he's not going to be long. I've got a full bowl of oil. My little light's going to burn for a long time yet. Well, guess what? The old bridegroom dilly-dallied for some time and half the girls, their lights went out. And the challenge in the illustration, in the parable is that, hey, hey, learn from those girls. Be prepared. Make sure you've got the battery. It's time to go through your house and every one of your torches to put a new battery in, isn't it? And it's not at the crisis, it's at the time when you think about it, in preparation for the things that are coming. Being ever ready in the kingdom of God to serve God. In one of our team meetings recently, as we were working through our culture points, we were wrestling about how to tweak up life point. How do we really get that camaraderie? How do we really move us forward as a people of God? How, how can we really turn this place into something great for the kingdom of God? How can we make it a well-oiled machine? And we, we wrestled with the terminology of, of, of volunteer versus team maker or team member. And we wrestle with the idea of volunteer. You know, I can go and volunteer at the surf club or the, uh, 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 the Coast Guard. I can volunteer a lot of places where I give my free time because I choose to and because I want to and I have some time to spare to go and help those poor sods that need a hand. I'm sorry, but for each of you here this morning, you're not a volunteer. You are a team member of LifePoint. Do you know that? God has gifted you all in vast and beautiful ways. And when you don't use your gift at LifePoint, LifePoint suffers, yeah? We need all of your gifts so that we can shine. We need all of you as team members, whether you're a full-time team member, a part-time team member, or a team member whenever you can squeeze it in. The kingdom of God is a priority. Everything that you do in the kingdom of God is of eternal value. Do you believe it? 
And you can make a difference in small and large ways when you serve the living God. You are not a volunteer just choosing will and nitty when it suits you. You are serving when the King asks you, when He says, hey, Holy Spirit, speak to them. Can you hear the little message? Go to this, pick up that, make a phone call. Care for someone, serve, be part of the team. We say yes because He is our King. Jesus said yes because He died for you and I. He gave everything so we can have everything. They say the gospel is free. Jesus says, come, it's a gift, it's a free gift, but never underestimate the cost with which it comes to you. And as we realize what Jesus has done for us, then we in turn can give of ourselves, not because we want to be a perfectionist, but because we wanna serve our Lord and it's because we love Him, we wanna give Him our very best. And that's the last point I wanna make this morning, we give our best. The best notes the quality of the work, but it is our motivation, not our perfectionist. Perfectionism. It's because we love the King that we give Him our best. When uh, Solomon and the Lord in, invited him the opportunity of building the temple, it says that the Lord called the very best in the trades, the gold workers, the metal workers, the woodworkers. He said he honored their skillfulness because they gave everything that they could to the kingdom of God, because they gave their very best. They put the cherry on top because it was for him and for his temple. If the worship team could make us there, move up, that'd be fantastic. I just one little story to finish with, and it involves my son Ashton. Uh, Ashton and I on Thursday at night, we were um, putting a welder back together, and um, the welder had broken, and I had to get some new parts for it. And so it was one of those parts that was right down in the center of the welder, right down in the guts of it. And I had to pull the whole thing apart, all the electrics apart, all of the frame, all the covers. All of the uh, tubes and wiring had to come out just to fit this one little piece in and then put it all back together again. Well, it was getting late and I had to get down the house to cook tea and all that was left to do was to put the cover on. And the cover, it's a bit tricky. It's just a wobbly piece of metal and it's got about 25 different screws that go in to put the cover on. Ash said, Dad, you go and cook dinner. I'll finish the cover. It'll be sorted. And so he was up there for about an hour. I've nearly got dinner ready and I'm worried where my son is. And then the door burst open and my son comes in. He's distraught. He is sobbing. He is so upset. And he comes in, Dad, I hate that welder. He said, I can't get it right. He said, every time I go to put the last screw in, it won't fit. I can't get the thread started. So I've done it twice and I've pulled it all apart and I put the screws on the bench and I'm over it. And I sat him down and I gave him a cuddle and I said, mate, it's okay. It's okay, I appreciate all that you've done and you know, we'll get it right. And I said, look mate, why didn't you just leave the last screw out? You've put 24 in. Why don't you just leave the last one out? And he looked me with every part of his being and he said, dad, it just wouldn't be right. And oh, my heart broke for him. Is dad a perfectionist? Probably could be. But the point is, 
He wanted to please the Father and give His best. And we honour God when we give Him our best, yeah? When He says, hey, would you help? Would you do? Would you answer? Would you give? Would you be involved? Would you be part of the team? He's inviting you to the privilege of serving at LifePoint. We can't do without you. Under the kingdom of God, you're a crucial part of all that we are. Every little wheel and every little part working together and humming for the kingdom of God and making a difference. Every one of you are vital. You are not a volunteer. You are a team member here at LifePoint and never you forget it. And we love you all. Let's pray. Father God, we wanna thank you for the privilege of serving you. And Lord, we know there are times that the cost is underlined. There are times when we feel the struggle and we wonder why. But Lord, we refresh our hearts towards you this morning, Lord, and we reignite our desire to serve you and to please you and to give you our best. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. You are a loving God. You do not call us to use us. You call us to fulfill us. You call us to make us the people that we can be and your kingdom work continues. And Father, we thank you for the privilege and we ask that you would inspire us today to be all that we can be, that we would give our best because you, Lord Jesus, gave your best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.